I've always believed in ghosts or spirits. My best friend growing up had a house that was haunted. It was an old farmhouse. Part of it had burned in a fire. The middle portion of the house was still original. One time I remember he and I were downstairs. His parents were outside and no one else was in the house. We heard a commotion upstairs. When we went to see what was happening, we saw the dresser and his sisters removed and the piggy bank broken on the floor. That house is not far away from where I currently live. Don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of Halloween and all things scary, but I don't know if I was prepared to live in my own house with a ghost. Our house is located not far from the Civil War paths in Richmond, Virginia. It is also located on an old golf course that is now a subdivision, so who knows what roamed the grounds before our house was built. We have lived here for nine years. I was pregnant with my youngest son when we moved in. He was born in October, and that is when we really started noticing strange things happening. At first, it was subtle things, such as footsteps running upstairs, but we were all downstairs. Then doors would randomly lock. There is this one thing that still puzzles me, even to this day. I have a picture wall of both of my boys' baby pictures. At the very top, and when I say top, I mean near the ceiling, is a picture of the two of them together. It is nailed to the wall because I was never sure about command strips holding it up. Now, we all know how physics work. If a picture is going to fall, it's not going to fucking jump off the wall. It will fall straight down and probably hit a few other pictures on the way. Well, I found it about five feet away from the wall face down. The glass wasn't broken, nor was the frame cracked in any way. None of the other pictures were touched or had evidence of being disturbed by a picture falling. When things are stressful, such as when my husband lost his job, the ghost was heard screaming and running down the hall upstairs. Occasionally, the dog barks at absolutely fucking nothing. Not a goddamn thing there. At least that I can tell. We also have three rabbits that will on occasion freak out and stamp wildly again at nothing that I can see. They are so spooked that they run trying to frantically hide. We have one room that is slightly colder than the rest of the house. I don't mind having a ghost here. I told whomever it was that he had to be nice and he could stay. So far, it just likes to play tricks on us to say hello, like turning lights on in rooms we haven't been in. I thought at first it was just our house that the ghost had attached itself to. But my neighbor asked me one day if weird things ever happen in my house. I didn't immediately want to say, oh yeah, we have a ghost. So I explored her question before answering. I asked her what she meant, and she said things move around her house and are not in places she put them. She lives alone. And that one day, she was typing an email and all of a sudden watched the words just disappear before her eyes. After that, I was sure it was paranormal activity and told her our stories. We are fairly certain that our youngest can see the spirits. He tells us about someone who is playing in his room and will talk to him, but can never really give us more of a description. He's also told me that at night, someone comes out of his closet. I always shut his closet doors because I've seen too many movies and read too many scary books, but his closet door will be open the next morning. 
Another time, he was playing in his brother's room one day, when my husband went to yell at him for leaving a mess downstairs. My husband heard someone playing in his room, but no one was there. When he turned to leave the room, he was hit in the back of the head with a book. I freaked my husband out a bit, so he decided it was not worth telling my son to clean up. Recently, my husband has seen an image standing in our room. He woke up around 2 a.m. and looked at the clock. He said the clock was very hard to read, and when he wiped his eyes, he saw a black image at the dresser where the clock is. He said he then watched the image float through our bed to my side of the bed, and it watched me sleep for some time before disappearing. Of course, who can sleep after that? I have also seen an image as of just last week when putting my son to bed, it crossed his room, but then seemed to disappear. We've grown used to the presence, and maybe one day we will uncover their story. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is School Intentions. We get better at that every time. I like know. We're really, now I'm we're really it starting up. to Little nail it. Little jazz. Yeah. You know what I've uh, realized recently is we don't introduce ourselves at all during the Ghosticles episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, to find the Ghosticles episode, they'd have to know who we were. Kind of, I guess, really. yeah. So we need no introductions. That's, this is all just formality. It's just we like to say our names out loud is really what that it's is. It's ritual. That's what it is. Yes. Ritual is important. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to thank Stacy for that creepy With Richmond a, uh, story. It, it worked it will, out. I think it, it came in, in right? after. What? It will tie in. To what it will tie in right? because I went to a convention um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago in Richmond and had the best time. There were a lot of ladies there, so we had some good time. We went on a ghost tour. Awesome. We uh, went to a haunted bar three nights in a row. That <laughs> 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 was a really good haunted morning. Haunted by you guys. It was haunted by us. It's our new haunt. Um, and so there's just so many stories I wanted to talk about that I will do in a little bit. But uh, when Ooh. Stacey, I think, because every convention we go to, we pass out our little ghoul intentions cards because we want people to listen mm -hmm. to the show. And we tell them about it. And, you know, it gives us a topic to talk about as well. So, uh, anyway, I have been passing like, out. And Richmond has a is, rich history. It has a Richmond history. So, anyway, this story came in shortly after I think I got back. So, I was like, this is going to be perfect. It's meant to be. It was meant. And it's so creepy. And just so many different yeah ways Ooh. and descriptions Ooh. of it. So yeah. thank you, Stacy, for that story. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this mm -hmm. week, you're going forward. And I don't mean to skip past any pleasantries, but I'm really excited to hear your story. It's a good story. <laughs> what, 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 what are we calling this week's episode, though? Oh, right. We, I'm totally us, right? skipping over everything. We should We should have a... We do Because last week, we didn't... We never... It was just, we, it was just we our were guest so star. caught up in our guests. We didn't even like, we oh, did. fuck it. We don't even have, we don't need a name. We have a name. We have he's a name. sitting in that chair His and he's telling us Aaron. stories. And it was, I hope you guys enjoyed that. God, we did. God, that was phenomenal. Yeah. I really couldn't listen to it. I was just like posting. Can't listen to it. Too scary. <laughs> so freaky. Yeah. Uh, okay. So today's, today's title is A Tingling in the Spine. A Tingling. A Tingling. Um, from, it's Carl Sagan. Yeah, Carl Sagan. From Cosmos. 
Cosmos. Ah, so it's kind of perfect. Nice. Especially kind of perfect, except he didn't believe in any of this shit. Right. But that's okay. We're going to appropriate But he did believe it. in a tinkling in the spine. He did. He believed in aliens. Or he thought that there was a good possibility there were aliens. See? So, you know. Who that, says ghosts aren't aliens? Right. We don't did know. He probably believed in different dimensions. I mean, that's science, right? Fucking there. He probably did. Um, I think, so, in fact, I think he might have said as much, but he thought there was, I mean, yeah. There's pretty good evidence that there are other dimensions. Yeah. I mean, um, it's... It's I mean, like, it's, it's science. Yeah, it's science. No, it really <laughs> is. So, uh, but yeah, so that's our intro. Uh, that's good. our title. A tingling in the spine. A tingling in I the spine. I chose my story today because it's classic ghost story. I realized I hadn't done one in a while. I'd done like kind of odd like crypto and, and UFO and alien mm-hmm. stuff, which I really love. But I was like, oh, I need a good classic like Victorian style you know, ghost, um, ghost we've story had with like a, a you know a haunted one. mansion over us looking overlooking the sea with like a a lady ghost you know wandering right. the halls classic classic imagery. right something that you would read in Christmas time exactly and Christmas time actually plays a role in the story I'm going to oh, tell God. I don't it's, even know that and right. I knew right. it <laughs> we are simpatico uh, so I was brought to this story because I realized I didn't know much about it apart from what most people know which happens to be um, one of the most if not the most famous spirit photograph ever taken mm-hmm. of the brown lady of Raynham Hall right I believe that for our photo for our very first episode that was our picture yeah it's a spooky ass picture it is it's great it's thought by many to be fake as fuck but we will get to that because whether that's fake or not i'm inclined to believe i'll just go ahead and spoil where's the truth i'm inclined to i'm inclined to believe after doing some research that the brown lady herself is quite real um You'll you'll be so pleased to know that I've titled my segment "Bitches in Brown." Yes, although it sounds like mud blue. wrestling. It it does sound yeah, but well, <laughs> does and... now someone do some art where there are two uh, ghost ladies must re- re- wrestling in mud? It's just like the shadow of mud, I guess. Over it's like shadow, it's shadow boxing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible image! Um, <clears throat> it's a spooky story. It's really it's really good. I did some digging, and there's some writing on it, and and some famous people. Uh, well, famous for their day. They're not really remembered now, but they were well-known at the time. So, bitches in brown. Uh, 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 uh. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Captain Frederick Marriott, spelled a uh, spelled M-A-R-R-Y-A-T, so not Marriott, <laughs> though I may sometimes pronounce it like that. Marriott. Think, Marriott. Uh, Captain Frederick Marriott wasn't drawn to Raynham Hall in search of ghosts. He was drawn to the stately Norfolk Manor House in search of people pretending to be ghosts. Oh. Seat of the landed Townsend family. sounds like family. the beginning of a movie It that really I does. Would it watch. really does. Now, so uh, Raynham Hall, spelled R-A-Y-N-H-A-M, was the of seat of the landed Townsend family, and it had been since 1637. And it commanded a strategic view of the British coastline, which led Marriott, who was an experienced sailor, he was actually an author of several very popular seafaring novels of his day, and also a close a close personal friend of Charles Dickens. Thank you very much. Woohoo! Uh, this all Shout led him to, to suspect. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. He was not a nice man. Um, so Marriott thought from his experience, and maybe from his penchant for, for stories of Daring Do, that the story... Uh, surrounding Raymond Hall, specifically its resident spook, the Brown Lady, was that there was more to it than met the eye. 
Mm. Now, granted, the rumors about a spectral woman draped in earth tones had long been derriere among the servants of Raynham Hall. Uh, the lady herself hadn't been the most prolific of apparitions. The first sighting recorded for posterity had taken place less than a year before the good captain took an interest in it. Guests of Lord Townsend visiting over Christmas of 1835 spotted her wandering the corridor outside their bedrooms in one of the upper halls. One Colonel Loftus and a gentleman by the name of Hawkins affirmed the outdated style of her brown brocade dress. Uh, Loftus, who saw her twice during his stay that Christmas, noted a ghastly detail the second go-around that the other stories had never touched on before. There were empty sockets where her ladyship's eyes ought to have been. Mm -hmm. um, several creepy. staff members tendered their resignations immediately. <laughs> ghost Kissed stories themselves and left. Well, because ghost stories traded innocently below the staircase or in the scullery were one thing, but when they're confirmed by a respected military man, that's a bridge too far. Right. So it was like it was a really frightening haunt. And this guy, this Colonel Loftus, who'd seen him, seen the lady wandering the halls and had and wrote about it and told like all these servants were like, mm, bye, uh, <laughs> not ya. paying me enough. Right. Now, few argue, uh, few argued the ghost to be anyone other than Lady Dorothy Walpole, spelled uh, W-A-L-P-O-L-E. She was a sister of Great, Britain, uh, Great Britain's first prime minister and second wife of the second Viscount Charles Townsend. Uh, there was some debate surrounding how she came to meander through Raynham Hall in perpetuity, however. Most believe she had had a fling with legendary debaucher Lord Thomas Wharton, a charming nobleman as famous for his political skill as for his libido. Mm. Uh, though the ill-advised tryst occurred well before her betrothal to Charles, in 1725 the temperamental Viscount learned of his wife's uh, long-ago indiscretion, and not much one for letting bygones be bygones, confined Dorothy to the family estate, what a Raynham fucker. Hall, where she wasted away from smallpox in 1726, just well, about a year or two years later. That's some bullshit. Like, hey, you oh, know yeah. how you hooked up with someone way before we ever met? I'm going to punish you for that. Well, it was still considered adultery because she'd had sex well, out know. of wedlock. But and, still, it's and stupid. And so, like, back in the day, you know, I mean, it, it is very, it's very, very stupid. But, like, Townsend really felt like, you know, it can't, you, you do not, I mean, I imagine his viewpoint was like, you, you lied to me about your purity. Just right. fucking bullshit. Women you were used. Women had so... I mean, even a woman of status could just be like, yeah, you're not leaving this house. And, mm -hmm. like, she couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a, a contemporary of hers, a celebrated poet and letter writer named Mary Wortley Montague, cried foul at this interpretation and maintained in various correspondences that not Townsend, but Countess Wharton entrapped poor Dorothy. That's Thomas Wharton's wife, the man that she supposedly had the affair with oh. years before. That seems weird. Why um, would she have seem, It just seems weird, but but it seems like she did it maybe out of revenge, and Charles, the husband, was complicit after the fact because his wife was damaged goods at that point. And so they didn't allow her to leave. She was just forced to live in Raynham Hall. Um, and it uh, wasn't just because she had smallpox, and so they were like, maybe no, we'll just put no, her in she this had, room. she got smallpox later. She'd oh. been there for a couple of years before she died of smallpox. Oh. And smallpox, you die pretty quickly. Right. Especially back in those days, because they didn't really have anything to minister to it. Who gave her smallpox? <sighs> Who was in that house with smallpox, giving it to her? Who knows? That that much we can't. We don't know. Um, huh, we do know, however, that she was given a mock funeral well in advance of her actual death. Wow. Uh, or well in advance of her even contracting smallpox. And that, Did she at least get uh, to go to it? No, she didn't. Even, she wasn't even let, released to go see her children who were living on another estate. Oh my she was God. just all for all intents and purposes, she was dead. And like, 
like members of polite society just considered a persona non grata, which really fucking sucks. Now, several generations on, polite members... society can suck it. No fucking shit. Now, several generations on, members of that same polite society came to recognize her frightful apparition by the portrait hanging in one of Random Hall's guest rooms. Now, painted by early 18th century Irish artist Charles Gervais, the portrait depicts a pale, rosy cheeked woman you'd swear was smirking at someone standing just out of frame to the right. Her hand extended in the opposite direction, as if to say, not now, dear, people are waiting. <laughs> it's a really, it's got, there's a lot of personality in that painting. Now, while the dress she wears in it, uh, kind of... Does it look like, does she have the, like, persona of a whore in that picture? <laughs> no, but I will say she does, she does wear the of smile a of a woman who's accustomed to being called one and calling oh. people out on their shit. And being fine with it. Uh, not being fine with it, but being like, oh, at me with that shit, bitch. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. she's, it's in my story. Yeah, right. um, for all she's, I know, she was She's like when she write a poem about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the dress she wears in the painting rather airs on the side of seafoam green and doesn't boast the raised pattern for which her ladyship possessed a marked fondness. But witnesses say that when you see the ghost, you immediately know you're in the presence of one because of the attire. It is a brown dress of thick, heavy fabric mm -hmm. cut in a style more likely to adorn an opera singer than an Asian woman skulking through the halls after dark, even in 1836, which is when this Colonel Loftus saw her during Christmas. So it was outdated by then. And and um, they were like, oh, shit, that's got to be her. She was known to wear she favorite brown. Uh, though for whatever reason, that's not what she's wearing in the portrait. I can imagine her husband was like, I hate that dress. Wear the seafoam green. Right. Because um, <laughs> I just imagine her husband being a complete dick. Right. Because, I mean, he was. But even before. He liked her in color. So she was like, I'm wearing brown, bitch. Yeah, she's like, I am I am more grounded than you are. <laughs> so this is simple of that. If you um, know, this is what she thought. You treat me like shit. So I'll just dress myself like <laughs> shit. I love it. Um, I like to believe that about so her. So Colonel Loftus. Uh, Colonel Loftus's brush with her over the Christmas holiday injected new life into the old stories, which had been going on for a couple hundred years at that point. But Captain Marriott wasn't convinced. He thought the brown lady of Random Hall was a myth. Not just any myth either, but one concocted by smugglers to keep the seaside estate from becoming a popular haunt among the gentry. See, the oh. less that connected well-to-do folk had with Raymond Hall, the less likely anyone worth worrying about might see a suspicious, a suspicious ship making landfall. Ah, oh, for smuggling. For smuggling. So I love it. So he went like Scooby-Doo. He's like, no, nah, I don't believe this ghost. Yeah. You know, this is this is old man Withers. <laughs> right, dressed up in an old. And and so he's you know in in his mind. Uh, Marriott, you know, who again was a writer and and uh, avid reader and an adventurer, so he was like, you know what, I would do if I were a smuggler, I would I would hire servants to dress up as this lady that you know that had yeah. this tragic history there and walk around the halls and scare the shit out of guests, and then no one will stay there. And then it's smooth sailing. It's like <laughs> smooth landing and smug yeah, right? smuggling. And step one, ghost. Step two, story. Smuggle. Step three, profit. Um, <laughs> which is our model, really. That's right. Uh, That's true. That's you're not far off, except for um, the smuggling. Except for the smuggling. We're smuggling people's hearts. That's right. Um, and maybe some ghosts. We didn't mean to. So determined <laughs> to prove his theory, Marriott arranged a visit at the Townsend family home over a rainy weekend and waited for the brown lady to show herself. Now, whether he expected to see nothing or even more spectacularly to foil a flesh and blood accomplice in the act of wandering around the uh, Imperia dress to give the smuggler's tales credence, we don't really know. We do know that the first two evenings there passed without incident. On the third, however, things got a little dicey. 
years later, in, in 1891, his daughter, Florence, acclaimed actress, author of over 70 works and tireless champion of the spiritualist movement, would write of her father's experience in her book, There Is No Death. Now, originally, I was going to read you this long-ass quote about the story because it's her account of her, it's it's her secondhand account, of, account right. from her father. But, God damn it, if her style is just torturous. Oh. So, I'm going to give you a summary. <laughs> you got to <laughs> sum up. Um, so, so Captain Marriott was in this room and, you know, the evening was, had, uh, you know, everyone had gone to bed and he was in his room and he was down to his shirt sleeves, which it, it, back in the day, though we would consider it fully clothed, if you weren't in your, if a gentleman was not in his jacket and breeches and just in his shirt sleeves and, and whatever, uh, it was basically like, like, answer, might as well it's like answering mute. the door, like, yeah, it's like answering the door in your whitey tidies for, you right. know, Girl Scouts, um, just bad form. So, uh. <laughs> But while he was getting ready for bed, I guess he was reading or something or trimming the candle. And, and uh, these two nephews of the Townsend uh, 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 guy, that owned the Townsend family, who were staying across the hall, come and knock on his door. And they're in their shirt sleeves. So these guys will be guys. And they're like, you know, hey, we just got these badass pistols from London uh, that are like this, you know, this pedigree. Do you want to come look at them real quick? Because you know what you're looking at because he was an arms guy. And he was like... Yeah, that sounds fun. Do it was late I? at night. Yeah. So he was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Everyone's in bed and they're right across the hall or just down the hall rather. So I'm, he's like, so he told, uh, you know, them like, yeah, I'll just follow you down there. So they're all in their pajamas, um, half pajamas really. And they're wandering down the hall to the, the nephews, the nephews' rooms to look at these guns because they don't expect to see any any of the ladies up and about right? because it's late and everyone's gone to bed, right? So they go to their room and they look at these guns and oh, that's very nice. I imagine they're like talk, telling stories or whatever. And after a little while, he's like, yeah, well done. Good, good purchase, good purchase. And um, oh, I should, I should backtrack a little bit before he left to go down the hallway with them. He grabbed his gun. It was like, just in case we meet the brown lady, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Because uh, he's like, yeah, fuck Or it. it's a trap. Right. And, and he, so he had a pistol on him at all times because he was that kind of guy. And so he goes and looks at their guns that they've just gotten from London. Check them out. They're really cool. They talk about guns and arms and experiences and shit like that. And they're like, cool. Well, it's off to bed. And the nephews decide like, hey, we'll we'll come with you just in case, you know, just in case you see the brown lady. We want to see her, too. You know, you need backup. Right. So they're all joking about it because they don't expect anything to happen. Mind you, they've already been there for two nights and there's been nothing. Also, they're armed. And they're armed. Um, <laughs> so they go down the hallway back to where Marriott's room had been uh, and they see uh, someone at the at the other end, a lady in a dress, way at the other end of the cards. I mean, this is a gigantic manor house, so these right. hallways go for like a city block. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they see uh, the figure of a woman uh, trimming a candle walking down the hallway toward them. And at first they think, oh God, one of the ladies or one of the servants is still up and about. So they duck into a vestibule Oh, because they, can, they look, they are because naked. they're because they're in this, they're in there. The equivalent, the Victorian equivalent of skivvies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, this wouldn't have been Victorian because it was on the 1830s. What's that? What period is that? Is that that's not Romantic. Victorian? That's was that Jacobin? Jacobin? I don't Jacobian. know. Jacobian. But a long time ago, and Still propriety demanded naked. that the gentlemen not uh, be seen in their shirt sleeves by by women. It just wasn't done, and. Uh, so they they ducked like oh fuck here comes this lady so they duck into this vestibule and they they closed the like they had these sliding doors uh kind of like pocket doors i suppose right. so they just were able to slide it and just leave a crack so they could kind of look out and see when she passed and when it was safe to come back out because they didn't want to surprise her and as the figure got closer they all three noticed that oh 
that's the lady in brown because uh -huh. she's wearing the brown dress. It's got the raised brocaded pattern. Her face is white. Um, he made made no mention of there being no eyes like right. Colonel Loftus had done the year before. But he but they might have been obscured by the candle. But they were like, but he did say, Marriott did affirm that he recognized her from the portrait hanging in his room Ooh. of her. Yeah. And was like, that's her. And at first, you know, and I, I imagine all the thoughts racing in his mind, probably among them were like, oh, this, okay, this, here we go. This is the person. This is, I'm, you know, so he, he got his gun out and he was ready to like confront this person and be like, who are you? What are you doing? What's the meaning of this? <laughs> why and, do you just look like that? Why do you look just like that woman in the picture? And as he was thinking this, the figure stopped in front of their door <gasps> without them making a noise and turned and looked at him through the crack, dead in the eye, oh my God. he said, and then smiled. He said the most malicious smile he had ever seen in I his love life. her. And his, <laughs> it's terrifying, right? right. And so, but I love how she's like, oh yeah, bitch. So his, oh, he's yeah. like, I see you. So his instinct, he burst out of that vestibule and fired point blank at her face. He's also a fighter. <laughs> he's very much a fighter. And she disappeared instantly, immediately, mm -hmm. light and everything. And the other two guys with him saw all of this. And we're like, yeah, we saw her. Him she completely smiled. overreact. He came and fired the gun. <laughs> yeah, well. And, because I, yeah. in other words, if it was somebody who was just walking, he literally would have shot someone in the face for walking down the hall and smiling <laughs> at men hiding in a closet. Right. <laughs> what a, well, the lady was guilty of wearing an out of date dress. She was. We were um, in our skivvies, but never mind that. So she disappeared. The shot, uh, the, the they found the bullet lodged in above the door on the other side of the hallway. Uh -huh. And uh, we're like, whatever. And so he shook and he stayed. He he packed his shit the next night and was like, yeah, I don't, that wasn't, okay, well, you don't have a, pro it's not smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> and he left and was like, and he didn't tell anyone that story uh, publicly until he told his daughter much later because yeah. he felt like a fool. And then she wrote about it in one of her many, 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 many hard to read books. And <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Now, a century after Frederick Marriott's encounter with the ghost of Dorothy Walpole, another captain would come away from the manor having had his own experience. Uh, one Captain Hubert C. Provend, a London-based photographer for Country Life magazine. They all sound very British. Right, toward, toward Raynham Hall on September 19, 1936, snapping pictures for an upcoming article. The Grand Staircase made a striking study. So this so, is right before World War II. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, Trying grand, to get it like fashion-wise in right, my head. Right, <laughs> So the Grand Staircase. <laughs> a lot Staircase. of brown though. There's a lot of brown then, so. He and his assistant, a guy named Indre Shira, set up their equipment to take photos of the Grand Staircase and they took one photo and they were preparing to snap another when, quote, a vapory form gradually assuming the appearance of a woman, end quote, descended the stairs toward them. It's the middle of the day too, I might add. Under Shira's direction, Proven quickly took the cap off the lens while Shira pressed the trigger, activating the camera's flash. Later, when the negative was developed, the now famous image of the brown lady was revealed. Ooh. The account of Proven and Shira's ghostly experience at Raynham Hall was published in Country Life magazine on December 26, 1936, along with the photograph. The photograph and the story of how it was taken also appeared in the January 4th, 1937 edition of Life magazine here in the States. 
Shortly after this, noted paranormal investigator Harry Price interviewed the men and reported, I will not say, or I will say at once that I was impressed. I was told a perfectly simple story. Mr. Indrashira saw the apparition descending the stairs at the precise moment when Captain Provin's head was under the black cloth of the camera. A shout and the cap was off and the flashbulb fired with the results which we now see. I could not check their story and I had no right to disbelieve them. The negative is entirely innocent of any faking. Others weren't so impressed. <laughs> Critics accused Shira of greasing the lens to achieve the desired shape. A right. detailed analysis of the photo by Joe Nickel found evidence of double exposure. John Fairley and Simon Welfare point out a pale line above each individual stair tread and that a patch of reflected light, reflected light at the top of the right-hand banister appears twice, indicating that one image has been superimposed over another. Right. Uh, magicians Ron Wilson and John Booth achieved a strikingly similar image on the grand staircase of the Magic Castle in LA using no more than a bed sheet. <laughs> and it can't be denied that on closer inspection, the wraith in the photo of Lady Walpole supposedly captured, uh, the, 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 excuse me, and it can't be denied that on closer inspection, the wraith of Lady Walpole supposedly captured on film strongly resembles the Virgin Mary, or at least the standard statues of her that can be found in any Catholic church. Oh. Um, so the photo is almost certainly fake. Fake, yeah. But what I like, the, the symmetry that gives the story is awesome because you had Captain Marriott come to Raymond Hall bent on proving the brown lady a fraud only to come away convinced she was very real. Captain Proven, a hundred years later, came to Raynham Hall, convinced the brown lady was real, but very likely wound up having to fake a photograph because he couldn't find any proof. Right. So that, in a ah. nutshell, is the story of the brown lady of Raynham Hall. That it's is. The sad fate yeah. of Dorothy Walpole. Fuck those people and the way they treated her. Dick. Yeah. Man. Right. And everybody that knew her. That somebody and should have come yeah, in and been no like, one... he's a dick. Get out of this house. Let's go. But he was the second Viscount. Like so I you know, have political that's true. power and like you have to come out against him. And you know, I just there was a lot of bad people in that story. And I like Dorothy was the only one. Like She's she had a little favorite. fun before she got married. Right. And and you gotta mm, And who knows dicks. back then she may not have had a choice in that matter either. Fucking true that. Some so. real bullshit. I like her. I like that she toys with the fucking dudes that are like, I don't believe in her. And she's like, I'm here, whatever. In right. my mind, had they just had a wider shot, she would have been in that picture. Look, watching them try to fake her picture. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I love it. That's the picture I want to see is where she's just like judgmentally staring she's at She's like going, I don't look like, my hips don't look like that. Um, <laughs> I do not look like Mary. Did you not listen to my story? Yeah, it's like all the irony that you think I look like the Virgin Mary. Um, I think it's funny. Can you imagine when she was alive looking out that window and seeing the mock funeral for her and just going, fuck that, fuck that bitch, that bit and that bit and that bit, man, right. they know I'm alive. I just fucking wrote them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's so crazy. Oh. But also happy with the turnout. Like, mm -hmm. this is some bullshit, but I am so glad so many people were here. This is so sweet. <laughs> like, Thank what you guys. Say about me? Yeah. Are you going to mention the part where you did nothing? How about that part? No? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Fair weather friends. I remember. Yeah. That's Have awesome. I'm getting favors out of my temperamental piece of shit, Viscount husband. That's right. You ready for mine? I am. Okay. I am because I know part of it. I am doing haunted Richmond, Virginia. Yes. And it's just a few places. The whole place is haunted as fuck. But I had such a good time there. Such a good experience mm -hmm. on the ghost tour and talking with people and everything that I wanted to highlight a few things that oh, stood out to me. Yes. So, sources. Wikipedia. Haunted Richmond tours are amazing. 
They Ooh. have, I believe, three different ones. So you can go to, we did the Churchill one, but you can do nice. a couple of other. So like there's so many hauntings in Richmond that they have to and, do multiple and, tours. Yeah, and they have, to, for walking tours, you can walk in different, you know, different places. So ours was, <laughs> ours was really fun. It went up a really intense hill, though. <laughs> we were like, oh my god. Uh, you catch your breath just yeah, thinking about it. That's true. Style Weekly Richmond and Richmond Times Dispatch. So these are some of the stories that I found from there and added, you know, combined them together. So the first on the list is a story that I am mad that we don't know about. It's called, um, well, it's about the Bellevue Elementary School. Mm. And it is built, it was built in 1912 on the location of the Van Loo Mansion home to Confederate trader and awesome person, Elizabeth Van Lu. <laughs> oh, shit. So, born in 1818 on October 12th, Libra. <laughs> uh, Lizzie's grandfather was an abolitionist and mayor in Philadelphia. Her parents, though, lived in Richmond, but she convinced them to allow her to go to school at a Quaker school, which reinforced her own abolitionist sentiments. Nice. So this is, you know... The uh, early 1800s, early to mid 1800s, she's going to school as a woman. And and she's an abolitionist. And she's an abolitionist. In the South. In Virginia. In like, not just the South, <laughs> yeah. but Virginia, which was the South. Richmond the was home to the White House, the Confederate White House. So yes. it was just about as South as you could get. Uh, yeah. Wow. Her, so, and her father, who had a prosperous hardware business... Once he moved out of Philly, they they were from Philly. They moved there. He very quickly had a prosperous business. He had several slaves. Once he died, she was like, Mom, we got to let the slaves go. So they freed their slaves and then rehired them. That's fucking awesome. Or I guess didn't rehire them. They hired they them. They hired them, yeah. Yeah, like. to work for them. So then they paid them and actually be, and kept up with them. One of those. Wow, that's, I know. that blows my mind. That's awesome. Um, one of, many of the emancipated slaves continued as paid servants with the family, including the young future Union spy, Mary Bowser, which we'll get to in a minute. We haven't heard enough about her either. She was also fucking awesome. <laughs> Afterwards, Lizzie and her brother would regularly purchase slaves, especially families that were about to be split up, and then free them and help them get escape to the North. Yeah. Huge Jesus deal. Jesus Christ. That... Fucking heroes. And this is before. Why don't we hear about these people? I don't know. God <laughs> I don't know. Damn it. God so damn it. that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share this knowledge. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Upon the outbreak of the Civil War, Lizzie started working for the Union with her mother caring for wounded soldiers. She was even allowed to bring food, clothing, paper, and other items to Union soldiers imprisoned in Libby prison. She would help prisoners escape, though, house escaped prisoners and Confederate Ooh. deserters in her mansion, Ooh. gather intel from recently captured prisoners, and pass messages back and forth through pies a lot of the time. Uh, I love it! So this activity led her to operate a spy ring during the war called Richmond Underground. After fearing suspicion, she began to change who she was, kind of. So she started wearing pants, which was very scandalous. Oh, uh, fucking very. But she wore like a patchwork shirt and a really big like Kentucky Derby hat. So and she's just, trying to look like she's crazy. Just trying to look. And she would walk up and down the streets mumbling to herself. So I love her yes. so fucking Badass. much. Badass. And she was middle-aged at the time. So 
probably our age, maybe a little bit older yeah. and uh, middle-aged and saying our age, I don't like it, but oh, God. yeah. Anyway. I plan to live to be 150, so I'm that's barely, right. I'm still an adolescent. We're children. Standard. We're babies. Have you seen us talk? Have you seen us tweet? Um, so, <laughs> so she, yeah, people were like, oh, she's just a crazy person. She's harmless, but oh, crazy. So no God. one suspected her of anything. And she was Fuck, running probably the largest spy ring in the Confederacy. Yeah. Huge oh deal. No one knew about her spy ring, which included clerks in the war and Navy departments of the Confederacy and a Richmond mayoral candidate. <laughs> Lizzie convinced Verena Davis, <laughs> which is so funny, Jefferson Davis's wife and first lady of the Confederacy, convinced her to hire Mary Bowser of Lizzie's former sl slave uh -huh. and a household servant in the White House. So she convinced her to hire as a household servant in mm -hmm. the White House of the Confederacy. What Verena did not realize, though, was that Mary could, even though she was black, she could read, write, and is rumored to have had a photographic memory. So she would be cleaning in the office and just look up all of this shit that Jefferson Davis was doing for the war and then give it to Lizzie. Oh, this is so juicy. I know. It's so good. So thanks to the information Mary received and reported to Lizzie, the spy network was so efficient that on several occasions, she sent Lieutenant General, General Ulysses S. Grant fresh flowers from her garden and a copy of the Richmond newspaper. <laughs> she developed a cipher system and often smuggled messages out of Richmond in hollow eggs. Union commanders highly valued Lizzie's work, one intelligence officer even crediting her with the greatest portion of our intelligence in 1864 through 1865. Because of the merit of her work, General Grant appointed Elizabeth Postmaster General of Richmond for the next eight years. And that's a big deal. A big deal. Of course, after the war, Lizzie was seen as a traitor by most of Richmond. Grant actually went through some real effort to make sure that she wasn't murdered by the people because mm. they were worried that they would kill her. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> uh. She was not killed, though. <coughs> she was not killed, though. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was just... Oh, I'm allergic to the idea of her being harmed. That's all. That's right. It's horrible. Um, she did not die, though. She died of old age in, at 81 Fuck in 1900. Yes. Badass she was a bitch. Badass woman. And I am. I'm really pissed that we didn't get the chance to learn about her. She's amazing. Can you imagine being able to have a Lizzie Van Lu day where everybody got to dress up as her in giant hats and patchwork shirts and right. pants and, and walk around mumbling for, to each of other? Easter eggs, you go look for hollow eggs that have yes. messages in there for you. Or you make them in art class. Like, can, that would have been There's so, so much fucking potential fun. there. Anyway. God damn it. Yeah. So, all that brings us to is Bellevue Elementary. Okay. Now, that. Basically, they needed to build a, a bigger elementary in 1912, and they couldn't take down the Confederate White House. They couldn't take down the home of Jefferson Davis or whoever the fuck was over there. So all the Confederate stuff, they had to leave, so they tore down the, the house of the woman who helped yeah, the union. The winner. They, they tore down the house of the winner. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It is reportedly haunted. It was on the ghost tour that we went to, and mm -hmm. it is creepy. Like you, it's 
it's definitely scary. You look at it and you're like haunted. Uh, <laughs> but apparently kids get lost inside a lot, but they usually manage to find their way to the principal's office. And when the secretary asks how they found the office, many of the children will say, a nice lady in a big hat helped me. Which is cool. At night, lights reportedly flicker when you say Lizzie's name. So there'll be lights in the building that will just start to go off and on if you say it. We said it. It didn't work. But our tour guide, who was amazing, she said that um, that it's happened many times when they've done their tours there. It was fantastic. Ooh, yes. Next. God, that's I know. Great. It's such a good story. And um, I wanted to do more of the haunting stuff on Bellevue. I just couldn't find a ton of stuff. But that history is that so history good. Is so and worth so it. juicy. And that is what I love about ghost tours, ghost history, stuff well, like that. Because you get to learn the histories that they don't teach you. That they school. don't teach you. That is such a more interesting story mm -hmm. than this battlefield and that battlefield. Like those battles wouldn't have happened the way that they happened well, without also this, that this intel. We don't, we don't really see women don't. If you read the official history books, you know, women don't seem to have much of a role. We get left in. out, but yeah. Oh my God, they they fucking did mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's imagine true. how the Civil War would have played out if she had she not exactly had a role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking incredible. And we don't mm -hmm. hear about her. We don't hear about her. Mm -mm. We hear about Grant. We hear about we hear about uh, uh, Jefferson Davis and all that, but we don't hear. We don't hear uh, about Lizzie or Mary. Or Mary. Mary's. I'd never heard of Mary Bowser. Fantastic. Yeah. She's a great name, Bowser. Yeah. Yes. She was a villain in Mario Kart. But a hero. <laughs> in Mario World. A hero to the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And brilliant to boot. Okay, number two, Juleps restaurant. I really wanted to go there because it was cute looking and it was called Juleps. <laughs> but we didn't get a chance to because we were too busy going to the other place. But we wanted to. Okay, so Juleps is now one of Richmond's most popular restaurants. But back in the 1820s, it was a weapons shop. In 1826, an apprentice gunsmith named Daniel Denoon was shot by the owner of the shop, a Mr. James McNaught. McNaught had initially told Danoon he would inherit the business from him, but after growing jealous of his predecessor's business acumen, he called Danoon into a room upstairs one day, and when Danoon got to the top of the stairs, McNaught shot him. Then, McNaught put the gun to his temple and fired. But, unfortunately or fortunately, depending upon how you look at it, the gunmaker's gun misfired. Huh. Irony. He had a small wound at his temple, but that was all. Wow. Uh, and Danoon lived long enough to say he shot me, just to point him out and say he's the guy that killed wow. me. Wow. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out for so, him, did it? No. Of course, he was arrested and sent to prison and all that stuff for his crime. But Danoon uh, was kind of this prodigy. He had started working with McNaught when his early teens, like, and he was going overseas to do to help you know work deals in his when he was fourteen. 15 years old. He was a little prodigy of business. And so McNaught told him, you will inherit the business from me because you are so good at what you do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, he is in his early 20s at this point. And McNaught develops an alcohol problem, mm -hmm. some other issues, and his actions start making the business tank. And so there's some tension there before the shooting. So it's like, this shit's going to be, like, spoiled before you I get to inherit it. Like, I'm going to get yeah. shit. Right. So there was some tension there. And I think the majority of McNaught's employees preferred to noon. Mm, well. And, and it's sad because this kid could have been 
a really big deal. He could have, mm. you know, if he had been able to, to live. Why did he try to turn a gun on himself? To kill himself for killing the guy. It's like, oh, I just killed somebody who was like a son to me. Whoopsies. Yeah, I guess. Let me kill myself. Just seemed, yeah. So I guess there's very, it sounds like it was a very much a crime of passion and right. not like necessarily premeditated. Yeah. But he did call him upstairs to the room. Yeah. But maybe she's like, I can't go through with this. Okay, okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, fuck, I did it. Never. What kind of monster am I? And then I'm going to kill myself. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Complicated. Yeah. yeah. So when he shot him, though, he fell down the stairs. Oof. Yeah. It's just a double whammy, really. Uh, and uh, he was buried, Danoon was buried in the same cemetery, interestingly, as Edgar Allan Poe's mother. And oh. you can see his tombstone from the entrance. As a part of the renovation for Juleps, a set of stairs was closed off and turned into a storage closet. These stairs were the stairs that Danoon fell down as he died from his wounds. People feel cold spots in the area, have unexplained feelings, and one of the most common stories told is hearing thumps as if someone had just fallen down a set of stairs. Ooh. Happens pretty regularly Ooh. from what I've heard. So that is Juleps. It's kind oh. of downtown. It's a cute little downtown area, too. Lots of little restaurants and stuff. Hmm. We had a really good time. Which brings us to the bar that we went to. Yes. Patrick Henry's. Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> Woo. Clunk. <laughs> the four-story Greek Revival House at 2300 East Broad Street has been a brothel, a speakeasy, a family home, and a private club. Built in 1850, it now serves customers as Patrick Henry Pub and Grill. So Alexis had seen this restaurant. portfolio. I know. She, Alexis saw it and she was like, oh, here's one of the haunted restaurants we could go to. I was like, let's fucking do it. We went. They had a gluten-free crust for this pizza. Oh, And it was yes. like a broccoli and cheddar crust, oh. which I've never had, but it was so good. And this is what I had on my pizza. I might be hungry. I'm so fucking hungry. What Caramelized onions. Yes. Yes. Okay. Caramelized onions, <laughs> bacon, and goat cheese. Oh my fuck. So good. It was so oh. fucking good. Um, oh. So because of that pizza and because of the ambiance, it just had a really cool, chill ambiance. It mm. felt very comfortable there. Because of that, we went back literally every single night. We went the second night and then we went uh, with a group, big group of people. And then the third night we went because that's where the ghost tour started from. Mm. So mm. as mm. soon as we got in the first night and sat down, this really awesome bartender named James Minifee, uh, I just, it just, I just knew him as James, but he came to get our drinks. I immediately asked him about the space being haunted because always ask your bartenders always and then tip ask. them, but always ask tip bartenders the are the first ones in and the last ones out. Always mm -hmm. ask bartenders. They mm -hmm. know. Um, so he told me immediately, told us our little group, this story. He's tended bar in the buildings, in the building for 12 years, initially for acapella, the previous restaurant. He said everyone who works there has had an experience. Although he lived upstairs for five years and never saw anything, not too long ago, all of that changed. He was alone in the restaurant after about 2 a.m. And since this is an old house, the layout is kind of weird. The lowest level to the public is the bar. And there are two areas down there. So there's like a bar portion, like when you come through the door, there's stairs on the left and then a little hallway. And then you go into the bar and then you go to the right and there's a room where they serve bar patrons specifically. Okay. So the bartender or bar back or bar server takes care of that section, right? Okay. When we were there, I think it was mostly James and then the other bartender that was there. She was also amazing. Um, so that's, and then... 
you have the bar and then that hallway by the stairs leads to the kitchen. So there's one of those swingy doors. Mm -hmm. And then the stairs go up to a second level, which is dining area. And then it goes down a little bit to another medium low level <laughs> where there's restrooms <laughs> off to the side. And then that leads, plan. it is really weird. And then it leads to, I think it's on a hill. And then it leads to oh, outside, okay. which is beautiful. The mm. dining area outside mm. is great. And then on that same floor is another smaller bar and um, more dining room area. Okay. And there's probably more to it than that, but that's all I saw. So he's in the bar by himself, knows he's by himself. It's after two in the morning. I and he this. hears that this. kitchen door swing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Initially, he thinks we've been robbed. Like somebody's here oh, to smoke. To, to, but then he realizes the front door is still locked or the door down there is still locked. Nobody else could have come around without him hearing them. Holy shit. Walks to the hallway, sees that the door is still swinging. Mm. And after debating his choices, he runs out into the street as one would do. Jimmy. <laughs> he just went right out there. He was like, fuck this, I'm out. And he ran into the street. <laughs> Which I love. He said every hair on his body stood up. He knew something mm. wasn't right. Now, what he didn't tell me is... Uh, this part, which I saw online, because he's told he told this story to to one of the um, online newspaper things that I was looking at. He said um, the next day he was certain that the security cameras would have recorded a spirit, but instead the camera in the bar showed him looking up, getting scared, and running outside. Sure, <laughs> but the camera in the hall on the kitchen door was blank during the period. Oh. It wasn't that he could see anything. You couldn't see the door swinging. You couldn't see anything. It was just blank. Whoa. Only during the period that he heard the door and ran outside. Oh. And then it came back on and the door wasn't oh. swinging. Yeah. Oh, shit. Right. Uh, the fireplace at the bar has reportedly been started by unseen hands. So, and it was warm outside, so there was no reason for the fire to be on. But, mm. you know, there were people weren't there. And one guy came in, and he's like, who started the fire? Nobody had been there. Nobody had started the fire. They had oh. to put it out. When they can start fire, that freaks me out. Yeah. And it has a very pungent smell, the fireplace does. Like, it is very strong. If we were sitting next to it, whoever was sitting closest would kind of start getting a little cough. Yeah. Because it, it smelled like ash just in the back of your head. Like, it was, uh, it was really strong. Uh. Um, the bathrooms are really creepy. But they're also on a tilt, like the, it's not level. The ground isn't level right that there. That turns the whole thing off. It yeah. really does fuck with you. Yeah, but there are stories of people who saw someone in the mirror or whatever. But um, it's just supposedly very haunted. They had a psychic come once, and they said that there's something going on with the fireplace for sure. And then upstairs there are, they can, there are a couple of children that look out the window, Ooh. and they're looking at, the, they talk about a fire. And so they don't think there was a fire in the building. They think they're looking at the Richmond fire down where you can oh. see there was a big theater fire. And it would have been, they could have seen the theater Oof. fire from there. And the theater fire, theater fire is really fucked up. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, we'll move on to another theater though. But that is Patrick Henry's haunted restaurant. I did, oh, I did, while we were sitting there the first night, we were talking and um, I was next 
I was next to, who was I next to? We drank a lot that night. Um, <laughs> As one does. Uh, Regina, I was next to Regina. And I thought she had crossed her legs and kicked me underneath uh -huh. my knee. And uh -huh. when I looked down, her legs were facing the other way. But I felt something move oh. across the back of my knee Ooh. very clearly. And there was nobody there to have done that. And I was like, the ghosts huh, do love you. interesting. They're just saying a little, okay. hey, look at the back of this hey, thing. Mama. I don't know. It was weird, but it was like, interesting. <laughs> oh. Um, but it, it was very cool. It's, it, and it's just a great restaurant. You should totally go if you're in Richmond. It's fantastic. I adored it. Awesome. Next, we have the Bird Theater, which is not the same theater that I was going to. Um, I don't know a lot about this one, but the fir Bird's first manager, Robert Coulter, is rumored to haunt the balcony of the historic theater. Theater employees have reportedly seen a figure in the, on the balcony, but when they go to ask him to leave, no one's there. Mr. Coulter worked at the Bird from its opening in 1928 until 1971 when he was forced to retire. Aww. He's been seen by employees and projection projectionists through the years. Ghost hunters even visited the historic movie house a few years back to try and contact the ghost. Aww. So that's the Bird Theater. Bird Theater. God, it for so long. I know. That's Dude, a long time. That place. It is a very long time. Um, next, yes. we have the Elmira Shelton House. It's Elmira or Elmira? Yeah, I don't know. E-L-M-I-R-A. Elmira? Elvira? Elmira? Elmira. I've heard Elmira. both, but I don't know. I wonder if it's one of those names you can say multiple ways. I don't know. I'm going to say Elmira because Elvira. Elmira. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sang that a lot that night. Uh, Didn't drink as much that night. But man, that first night, whew, I mean, it was me and Brittany really holding down the fort. And when we walked back to our hotel, which was like a mile away, we had gotten down a block and James came running because Brittany had lost, left her phone there. Oh, shit. Yeah, and was like, you're amazing. <laughs> so then uh, we walked by this old field that kind of looked like a parking lot mm. that had been covered with grass. And when we looked at it, we realized it was where a uh, slave uprising, these slaves had been caught and marched there and hanged oh. and I think buried. Oh. And maybe previously there had been a parking lot and they were like, we should probably put something else here. And so then they mm. put this grass. But when you walked onto that grass, it felt like there was weight. It was weighty, oh. like just a lot of pressure there. Oh, oh yeah, awful. it was really creepy. And understandably so. So, um, and then we walked the rest of our, the way. And then that next morning I was like, Brittany, we got to walk. <laughs> we got to go somewhere. So we walked a mile to have breakfast and walked a mile back. And then we felt fine. So just walk it off is what I'm saying. Um, and stick to clearly. She was drinking gin and I was drinking vodka. So that helped. Okay. It's hard to get a hangover with those two. Well, it's not, but. <laughs> uh, well, well. Uh, but when you, when you just, it's easier to sweat out, I guess I'll say. Yeah, okay. Because that's sense. what we did. Um, <laughs> but okay, so the Elmira Shelton House. Okay, so interestingly, this is our Edgar Allan Poe connection. Yes. This house is across the street from St. John's Episcopal Church and Graveyard where Poe's mother, Eliza Poe, is buried. She died of tuberculosis when she was just 24 years old. Mm. She was well-loved by Richmond. Not very common to have an actress buried in a graveyard instead of a cemetery. Which, for those who don't know, a cemetery is not connected to a church and a graveyard is, and she's buried in the church's graveyard. Hmm. Big deal. Three weeks after her death, the Richmond Theater fire of December 26th, 1811, burned down, eerily similar to the Chicago Ford Theater, theater yeah. fire. The yeah. doors were faced, they were locked the wrong way. Oh. People got pushed. People Oof. fell. 
um, it killed 76 people and it changed the way the laws were yeah. in there. And we were talking about it and they were like, it killed 76 people. I was like, yeah, the Chicago fire killed like 600. It was a lot of people. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that's a lot. I was like, yes, Oof. it's not oh. a competition, but as a, Chicago really kills a lot of people. So <laughs> I love you, Chicago. I really do. Um, so uh, anyway, that's the theater fire that they talk about the children possibly witnessing mm, from, from the pub. Because it's right. I mean, it's on the same street and they're up on the top of the hill so and it's down there, on the bottom right of the hill, there. which is the hotel. We were on the same yeah. road, Broad Street. So it was down on the bottom of it. <laughs> and that church has been turned into an octagon and it's also very, there, are, there was an area, I was like, I just don't feel like I should go over there. And apparently the octagon is smaller than the theater building was. Mm -hmm. So when you're walking around it close to it, you're actually in the space where the theater building would oh. have been. So the edges. So you, can, you got that energy. Yeah, it was pretty uh -oh. potent. Oh, uh, theaters anyway, but especially theater where there's yeah. a tragedy like that and people died. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. So, um... Next, we talk about Sarah Elmira, Elmira Royster Shelton. That's a great she, name. I know. She was a childhood sweetheart of Edgar Allan Poe, which mm. I had never heard about. Uh, she became engaged to him shortly before his death in 1849. Mm. This is a sad story, so everybody get ready. What? It El involves Edgar Allan Poe and it's sad? I know, and this is real sad, too. Elmira had an influence, or Elmira, whichever, I want to call her Elmira now. I've changed my mind. Elmira had an influence on Poe's work and may have inspired the Raven, as in the lost Lenore, mm. and the titular character in Annabelle Lee. Mm. Her father did not want them to get married when they were kids. So while he was away, she married another man, and Poe ended up marrying his 13-year-old cousin. People discuss what their marriage was really like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She, after they died... And her husband was quite a bit older than her. Mm. Uh, but Poe's wife, of course, died of tuberculosis when she was also 24, just like his mother. Interesting. Um, he came back to Richmond and they rekindled their romance. So he just showed up at her house one day after not having seen her for like 20 years or more. Wow. Elmira said... I'm just going to change it every time I say her name. <laughs> Elmira said... You've been saying Elmira. Elmira, okay. Yeah. Um, I was ready to go to church, and a servant told me that a gentleman in the parlor wanted to see me. I went down and was amazed to see him, but knew him instantly. Uh, Sweet. Oh. So they were planning to have the wedding or the engagement. There's discussion of whether or not they were engaged, and for a while she denied they were engaged, mm -hmm. but she eventually admitted that, yes, they had been engaged and were planning to get married. When he came back from a business trip to Philadelphia to meet with his publisher, and that, unfortunately, is when he died. Under very mysterious, very mysterious circumstances. circumstances. There's a debate about the nature of his death for, I mean, ever since it happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, people say terrible things, that he was a drunk, an addict. Mm -hmm. He was a gambler who had gotten in too deep. All of these different things. And the person that we can blame for that is a man named Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Piece of shit. And he wrote this bullshit obituary under a pseudonym after Poe died. Mm -hmm. And he did it because he was extremely jealous of Poe's success yes. and his skill. And the reality is he was addicted to opium. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he had the real addiction. Poe wasn't. Poe could have like two drinks and then he was like, I'm out. Yeah. He was not a big drinker. He was well, not. This, this guy hated him too because 
Poe, people remember Poe as a writer, and he was a great writer, but um, he was he had more success overseas, mm-hmm. public, being public. Like, the French loved him. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, he inspired Charles uh, Baudelaire, the guy that wrote, like, a bunch of, you know, he was a well-known poet at the time. But, um, and Poe was doing great, but as an editor, he was phenomenal. Like, mm. he got hired left and right by publishing houses as an editor because he knew exactly, like, he worked for magazines. I mean, he just had an eye for talent, and this guy had been snubbed by him. And that was kind of the root of their, their not feud, because I think it was very one-sided. I don't think Poe even gave a shit who the guy was or knew right. who he was. Which he made it even worse. He probably a draft of some of his work and like, no, you're not for our publication. Sorry. And so this guy just hated him for mm-hmm. his, and bore that grudge for years. Mm-hmm. And then Poe dies under horrible circumstances and this motherfucker's like, because he, he was a drunk. Yeah. And that, and that I mean, it, he was found in a ditch, drunk. Um, and this is what, you know, I'd heard, drunk and mm. high and... And yeah, he babbling just babbling and, and whatever, and he just clearly been on a days long bender. bender. And so I think he was found on the third and died on the seventh of October. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a long time for a bender to kill you. Normally, if you're doing a drug overdose or it's uh, alcohol poisoning, it doesn't take that long. Doesn't take that long. Yeah. Um, people. Some people said he had, and this is commonly believed, but it's it was he had rabies. Yeah which is interesting. Um, other people said he had syphilis. There were all of these rumors, but realistically, the things that made his death strange point to him being coopered. Coopered. So cooping is, it was a ballot box stuffing scam in which victims were shanghaied, drugged, and used as a pawn to vote for a political party at multiple locations. Keep in mind, when Poe was found, he was not wearing his own clothes. He was wearing someone else's clothes. Yeah, they were too big for him. They were too big for him. So what they would do is take somebody, get them a drink, drug them, take them, change their clothes, drag them to a pool place and make them vote for the person that they were paid to make sure this person voted for. And then they would take them somewhere else and change their clothes and make them vote for someone else. Mm -hmm. So... Mm It was stealing votes. It's complete voter fraud. Yeah. It was not fake news at the time. It is now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was not fake news at the time. It was something that was really happening to people. Um, but not a lot. There are as many deaths you wouldn't see from it because otherwise we would be, it would be much more. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's I think strange that he died. Yeah. It, apparently they handled him really roughly. What is interesting about the coop, cooping is Elmira's brothers mm-hmm. are said to have been involved with cooping. So it is not far to assume that this guy, that their dad, dear dad, did not want her to marry. He's now in the picture. She's going to marry him anyway, because what are they going to do? Brothers step in and take care of the situation. Mm. But in the end, Poe never came back to her. That's so sad. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And I'll say that while I was there, standing Mm. outside, they have gas lamps and everything um, all along the streets over there. And it's kind of creepy as we walked by one. It went out. (laughs) It's kind of neat. Yeah, it was really creepy. But in in front of her house, which is across the street from where his mother is buried... He, it was so sad. It just oh. was sad. And that's before I even knew what the story was, before I knew her. It was just this really overwhelming, sad, mm. sad feeling. Mm. And, uh, and, and I got that, you know, after hearing the story. And they said, what is haunted, I guess, about the house that people see? It makes me so sad to think about it. 
is know, they see, right I know, now. it's so sad. They see her coming down the stairs mm -hmm. as if she's looking for someone. And they see oh. him going up the stairs as if he's looking for someone. But they never find each other. Oh, I hate that. It's so sad. I hate that. It's so sad. It breaks my heart. And so maybe it's just, I like to believe it's just a timestamp, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. a timestamp. But it is really tragic to think oh. about. They were so close. They were so close. So like, close. After 20 years, they were like, mm -hmm. let's do this. Even That's more, I guess, anymore. than that. Because yeah. she was probably, I think she was 39 at the time. Okay. And so she was old enough to not give a shit, right? Yeah. About what daddy said. And he said. was successful by then. Very successful. Very successful. And so he's like, look, I can give you a life, you know, and that, mm -hmm. oh. And this fucking. Uh. And I mean, and it's interesting too because the guy she married, they ended up still living in the house she grew up in. So it's it was kind of a that's kind of a weird thing. Like, why did he move if he was the successful older guy? But anyway, it doesn't matter. So yeah, that is weird. Something else moved. that is interesting about this, yeah, whole thing is that uh, I have been told my entire life that I am related to Edgar Allan Poe. We have Poe's. On my grandfather, my my maternal grandfather's side of the family mm. is Poe. His his mother was a Poe. So it's always been told he is a great, great, great uncle or something like wow. that. Now, I haven't done the research. You know, I'm not going to. So nobody get mad at me if you do my historical family research <laughs> and it finds out that's not true. It is, you know, <laughs> it is a family story. You should, you should do some digging and see. I should, and, and, and see, see if it's true or not. But, records to back it up. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, family history, where how it used to be told, just person to person. So um, it was very strange to be on this haunted tour, hearing stuff about people that I... Um, that I believe I'm related to. Yeah. And so when, when it, in regards to his mother, who would not have been a blood relative, but somebody in the family, right? Mm -hmm. She was an actor. What? Right. And she was buried in the cemetery. Like somebody that I'm related to is buried in the cemetery right there, you know? Yeah. And, the, and then crazy. to hear the story with him and like all of the other stuff, it, it was always so far away and it became a little bit closer. Yeah. So as I was doing some of this research and hearing some of these dates, there's just some weirdness. And I'm a big believer in dates being important yeah. in families. You'll find, I'm you know, I have, man. yeah, my, I have a friend, um, Angel, who's born on the same day as her brother. Her mother's the day before her, uh, you know, so there it's, there's just something about similarities in birthdays. For example, my father died on my parents' anniversary. My grandfather died on my father's birthday. So stuff like that is very common in my family and seems to be the case here. Mm. So Edgar Allan Poe was born on January 19th. That was my grandmother's birthday was January 19th. He died on October 7th, which is the day before my birthday. Wow. Um, it's weird. It's, um, it's bizarre coincidence. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre coincidence. Uh, David Poe, his father, who was a piece of shit and abandoned the family, but still... Uh, he died on December 11th, which is my cousin's birthday. Wow. Elmira Shelton died on my older brother's birthday, February 11th. Wow. Eliza 
died on Dot's birthday, (laughs) 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 which is weird. But it was just like, I have a feeling if I looked into some more of those dates that I would find some more similarities. That's a lot of similarities to a small amount of people because I don't have a huge family. My first cousins, I have three. That's it. I have three first cousins. Poe was a big believer in this sort of stuff. Right. Very big. He wrote wrote a beautiful essay about um, astrology, mm-hmm. uh, but not, not pop astrology, but like astrology in like a really mystical sense. And like mm-hmm. he, it was, so it's kind of cool. Like interesting that, you well, know. and speaking of, there's a lot of fucking Aquariuses involved in this shit. Uh-huh. His, Cause he's an Aquarius. My, you know, my grandmother's an Aquarius. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Aquariuses in my family too. Both of my brothers are Aquarius. Angels and some of my best friends are Aquarius. A lot of air signs. You're an air sign. I'm, I'm an, an air sign. sign. Seraphina's an Aquarius. Um, even, fairy. even fucking, the guy, uh, Grimwald, what did I say? Griswold. <laughs> Grimwald. Griswold, which is funny too, because it's the Griswolds, right? Isn't that yeah, from? It's from yeah. Vacation. Uh, he was born on Brina and Leslie's birthday. <laughs> so they all share the same birthday. Um, his brother, Poe's brother, was an Aquarius as well. So he, I mean, it just is very strange the bizarre. way these yeah, signs are working together. <laughs> um, That's great. Oh, I and it love just, it. It just added a creep level. Not a creep level, just a, just a like, mystical level to mm-hmm, the whole thing mm-hmm. for me. Very interesting um, wow. to have experienced that. It was really fun. And, you know, I didn't get a chance, but the Edgar Allan Poe Museum is there as well. Oh, and yeah. it is rumored to be haunted, quite haunted. So um, next time maybe I can go and have a story about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay. so, it, and he would have said he lived in Richmond. He lived several different places, but mm-hmm. Richmond was what he considered home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is my story about Richmond. Oh, that's it was so good. So much fun. I had such a good time. I love Richmond. I've been, it's been yeah. years, but I haven't been. We had such it. a good crew, too. And on the ghost tour, we had a couple of listeners come with us. <gasps> yes! So Alex came and Amy. Alex! Oh, so, Alex. and it was the first time I got to meet Amy, so that was really cool. She was working with Color World, who does our t-shirts. Nice. Um, which you can buy on the website. Yeah. Ghoulintentions.com. Um, Look there's a link. Gliding right into I know, it. I didn't it's even mean great. to do it. Um, <laughs> gliding right into yeah, the Yeah, it was really fun. And we, I put some pictures up, too, on yeah. the Ghoul Intentions <clears throat> stuff. So, it was really... It was just so great. And everybody in Richmond was lovely. And the food was incredible every, oh. everywhere I went to eat. So, um, and I was at Richmond. GalaxyCon Richmond. Okay. It was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun. So, Gosh. yeah, thank you, GalaxyCon, for taking me out there because we had yeah. such a good time. Mm. Maybe next time Michael and I will be able to go together and do a podcast Ooh, together, yeah. a live one. Oh, um, yes, please, please. Yes, but yes. So at a lot of these conventions, the Color World folks are there. They have a lot of different types of cool shit. Cool stuff, yeah. Pretty much anything you want on a shirt, they'll put it on a shirt. And if you go to our website, there's definitely the link. Um, it will take you to our page with them. You can choose if you want a hoodie. Do you want a t-shirt? Do you what color? What do you want it to say? What do you want to do? Like Alexis just did one in um, I think it was a bitches and white shirt that was in black and orange for halloween so she you know you can choose you can personalize stuff um we they go they bend over backwards to get stuff to australia so if you're out of the country you can order just reach out to them at color world Mm -hmm. they are fantastic Mm -hmm. they really are and if you ever see them at conventions they're the people with all the big metal stuff but then they have a ton of different shirts and stuff like that too 
Um, and they do, they do a lot of licensed stuff, so you know they're legit. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, uh, go to the Ghoul Intentions website to find that. You can go also to submit your ghost stories for our cold open and for Ghosticles yes. episodes. Some Ghosticles I may scold you, be warned. That's right. That's true. He doesn't mean to. But in love. He'll forget love. about it later. I'll so it's forget like it never I was happened. the nicest guy in the world. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, you can submit your stories there. You can actually listen to the podcast there, but you can also, of course, listen to it however the fuck you're listening to it right now. Yes. But we're on Spotify. We're leave on, reviews. Leave yeah, reviews. leave reviews. Yeah, we need your reviews. Spotify, iTunes. iTunes. Everything. But yeah, reviews. Google Play, Please, although review. we have a hard time with them. Um, yeah, mm. they're just, they, they, I don't know. Just sometimes they just mess up. I don't know what it is. Uh, but you can go directly to the Castos site and follow us, you know, follow it there. There's also Podcoin, which is fantastic. You get paid to listen. We're on there. Um, yeah, it's Podcoin, P-O-D-C-O-I-N.com. Hmm. And basically you, you go to the site and you choose whatever you want to listen to and you can... They'll give you money, so you can do a gift card, but you can also donate to charities that way. Oh, that's cool. So you get paid to listen to podcasts. If you listen to podcasts a lot, it's it's very awesome. That's and brilliant. they'll tell oh. you like whatever you subscribe to. So I just got a message today that's like, oh, you know, you've got a new My Favorite Murder or whatever. Nice. Um, so that's really nice too. And I highly recommend them as an app. It's just an app on your phone. Just download it. And I think that's all. And you're not, you're not going to do the quotes anymore. I'm not going to do the quotes anymore. They were. It's, I never got them. It was them. fun. You never got I them. I never got them. And, it, and we know that you're not going to get them. But it, it became, you don't have to do the adjectives anymore. So I yeah, don't have to do the quotes anymore. <laughs> it just we'll, replace it. To, we'll replace it with another gimmick. Maybe like a book or a movie recommendation. Or something. Do you have a book or a movie recommendation? Um, no. Oh, well, I finished The Woman in the Window. It, the oh, yeah. book yeah i really enjoyed that oh, i passed it off to regina um who did not kick me when the ghost pulled my leg or touched my leg whatever um she i passed it off to her and i signed it so she's gonna read it and sign it and give it to someone else oh, that's cool so we're just gonna start passing books around i do have a book recommendation something i read recently it's called darker than black and it's Ooh. by hillary mantle or mantel m-a-n-t-e-l mm -hmm. and it it's about um it's about a clairvoyant, someone who's in touch with the dead. But it is, oh, nice. ooh, it's spooky and it's funny and mm. it is dark. Have you read Clockmaker's Daughter yet? No, I haven't. God damn. It's on my list. It's, on my list. it's so good. Books. It's really good. Um, but also, so the woman in the window is about a woman who is agoraphobic, and um, you know when people get when you, when she sees people get murdered, it becomes problematic. It's very good. It's very and and you know what I liked about it because I was reading it on a plane, and. It's the chapters are short, so you it's for your ADD part. Like if I'm on a plane and I'm getting nauseated, it's if I'm reading something yeah. for too long, it, yeah. I can't focus on it. But it's just short enough to keep resetting. So I, I mean, and then it was a quick read too. It was really entertaining. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie. No, thank you, awesome. Michael. And thank you guys for, for listening. listening. Check us out. Hopefully, we're back on schedule. Yes. We had some crazy business. Thank you for putting up with our absences oh, gosh, yes. and late deliveries on stuff but hopefully there will be no more storms uh in in dallas that we've learned our lesson right sorry weather <laughs> uh and and now we have electricity so we can celebrate that yay, yay. sweet ac yes and check out our ghosticles episode that comes out thursday if you haven't listened to those <laughs> and remember it's, it's okay, okay to, to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on, on. <laughs>